0: Hello and welcome to Pumpkin Spice Podcast. It is uh, a seasonal holiday treat for fans of horror films. That one used to work, right, Graham? I'm Rob Schulte. Of course, I'm here with Graham, right? Hello, everybody. How's it going? This is me just just pulling the rug out from my own introduction there.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, if anyone's going to pull the the rug out from underneath you, Rob, it should be you. Yeah, I don't know if that makes any like that. sense, but whatever. <laughs> I'd rather be me than someone else. So, how? Uh, what do you think about the the beautiful Texas landscape you see before are you? Oh, it's great. Uh, it's really, really hot. Three showers a day. Yeah, three changes of clothing a day, at least. At least, well, and a full bottle of talc. Yes, and uh, since we're only three hours away from the coast, um, you probably noticed that. Texas is certainly known for its barbecue, but it's also noi- known for its oysters. And being from Kansas, it's quite uh, a thrill to eat some oysters only taken out, totally uh, taken out from the Gulf uh, Coast, only hours away. Oh, what a treat! It's, it's uh, an aphrodisiac.
0: Yeah, yeah. I it, love that. Like when we talk about oysters, like that's the one person's like,
1: hey, you know, a fun fact. Yeah,
0: that's true. I'm essentially just calling myself out here,
1: Graham. No, no, okay, yeah, I mean, to each his own, but um, but no, if you talk to, I think, any Midwesterners, they might brag a little bit that they uh, ate some seafood, you know, just because they're not accustomed to that, so. um, So true, so true. And now we're both living in states that border the ocean. Graham, it's beautiful down here,
0: quite frankly, and I've enjoyed that restaurant. I forget its name, but you took me
1: there. We did not see Alex Jones. No, uh, you're thinking of the uh, Texas uh, chili parlor. Yeah, I,
0: I ate so much that uh, my memory just flew out of my brain to make way
1: for that juicy, juicy chili. Well, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because Alex Jones does frequent there, but I took you there because what movie was filmed there? Death Proof. Well, Pam? Which way are you going? Left or
0: right? Rob, welcome to Texas. Thank you. Last time I was here, I ate at that uh, barbecue place that is in Dazed and Confused.
1: Ah, style switch. Yeah, that building was sort of the... uh, The pool hall. The pool hall, yeah. The exterior of the pool hall. Yeah, you know, it was very...
0: I got the biggest piece of meat there that I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen a a dead animal. Yeah. When we left that uh, barbecue joint, we encountered one of the most uh, public family breakdowns I've ever experienced in my life,
1: and oh. you told me that that's not uncommon to see weird. Um, sure, and I want to I want to be clear and saying that not all the freakouts that you run across are going to be necessarily negative. True. Um, okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's a, there, there's the occasional. Well, here's the thing, Rob. The sun gets to people. If you've never been to Austin, Texas, the sun in the summer is like five feet above your head. Uh, It gets very hot here, and people lose it. And uh, that's maybe sort of the inspiration for uh, the series of films we're going to be talking about today. Wow! You just you just did did you see what I did there? Those two right together, man. I know it was like it took me 32 episodes, I think, to get the hang of of it. More of a professional than me, man. I, I finally, finally. I was yes. hoping within the first twenty-five, but thirty-two ain't too bad. So not at all. So Texas Chainsaw Massacre, my favorite horror film of all time. Notice how I didn't say American. I said my favorite horror film of all time. I think it's and it, you know definitely one of the, my favorite films of all time. Uh, well, and as the listeners who are you know the tried and true
0: pumpkin spicers. Have obvious. Ooh, that sounds bad. Maybe, maybe just uh our pumps. You know, our fans, the pumps out there. They uh they might have heard you talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre when we talked about Toby Hooper and George Romero.
1: Yes, I was this close to meeting uh, Toby Hooper. Unfortunately, uh, that did not happen. But I did meet um several people uh that worked on the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, which was I thought amazing. you were gonna say I thought you were gonna say, but I did meet several other people who also
0: didn't get to meet. Him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a theater full of them.
1: Yes, um, but no. Uh, there was an anniversary screening of Eggshells, uh, which is the movie that sort of made Austin, Texas, a film city. And then, of course, four years later, uh, technically five, I guess five years later, in '74. Uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre was released uh from Toby Hooper and uh that changed everything.
0: But before we get to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre,
1: I thought maybe it would be
0: fun to start with number three.
1: Yeah. Uh I I think we should probably well, let's end on a high note, right?
0: Of course. So, So let's just and also let's just get three out of the way because unlike the Maniac Cop series where we did three episodes, three movies. We're going to do the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series in two longer episodes. Yes. Because we're getting close to this, to pumpkin spice season, Graham. Yeah, I know. It's almost at Starbucks. Almost that time of year, again. Uh, Well, Graham, I think then let's start with te- the proper name of the episode or of the movie. Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, which came out in 1990. Some tales are told. Then soon forgotten, but a legend is forever. Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three. Now, let me give you the IMDb auto-populated storyline from a user, just so people can, like, wrap their heads around this nutty-nutty film, okay? A couple encounters a perverted gas station attendant who threatens them with a shotgun. They take a deserted path in Texas to seek help, but only meet up with the cannibalistic clan interested in helping themselves to fresh meat. Written by Mark. Mark Pop. Mark, get your email off of IMDb. Anyway, it's pretty straightforward. Left out a few things I think we can touch on, but go for it, Graham.
1: Well. I'm unleashing the beast right now. Okay? <laughs> gotcha. Uh, well, of the three films we're going to discuss, this is definitely the weakest. Um, it's not terrible. So I want to start with the positives. Okay. So I thought that it was competently shot. Uh, there was some stuff that looked actually like really good. Unfortunately, it's in the service of nothing. Ken Forhey, as always, is amazing. And also Vigo Mortson. And I would say most of the family members are played by great sort of character, competent actors. It's just that the story goes nowhere. And my big beef, Rob, is that you don't give a shit about the protagonists. Oh, yeah. Who go to sleep for like 30 minutes in like the second act of the movie. And I don't know how many movies you've watched where the main protagonists go to sleep. Well, because because uh, Ken Forheath, the
0: survivalist, gives yeah. them pain medication.
1: Yeah. Gives them medication, doesn't tell them what it is. And they, they take it without asking, what is this? And then they get yeah. mad for taking it. It's it's really it's really weird scene. There's so much more to it, too. But it's also just a retread of things we've already seen before. God bless Toby Hooper in the first film which we'll talk about later. You really don't know much about the main characters in the van, but you at least kind of get a hint of who they are and you don't you want get to get see- everyone's personality. Yeah, and you don't want to see them die. That's my no. point. With the couple that are not in a relationship are like driving down the road and then they get attacked, you don't care about them. You don't care whether yeah, they live or no not. Yeah, they've given us no reason to. Ken for you care? And I read yeah. that uh, his character was actually written to die uh, by Leatherface in the swamp and they liked Ken he so much and they kind of realized that he was the only likable character in the movie that they <laughs> kept him for the end. Um, but I can say, Rob, uh, having lived in the Austin Round Rock Bastrop area of Texas, um, haven't came across a swamp yet. Yeah, a swamp
0: and uh, just survivalists. I mean, I guess in the middle of nowhere, but that seems like the worst place to try and survive. Yeah. So I did it back to back over the weekend, okay, because I had only seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it had been a year since I watched it probably last, and... You know, you hear good things about two. You know it's a little different because it's been so long. That's like at least gotten out into the the ether. Two fucking rules, and we'll get to that. Sure, we'll get there. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to like keep my cards close to my chest here. But when I got to three, like from the branding on, I was not sold because on the poster, you've got this leather face with a shiny chainsaw with words inscribed in them the saw is family what yeah so okay i know that like this is an era of sequels just being could be a cash grab could be a good story could be both Mm -hmm. it took me about 30 minutes into the movie that i'm just like okay i give up i'll just let it go where it goes. When I was trying to like piece all of these like dots together on a map. Yeah. Thinking it was going to be a prequel thinking it was going to, you know, just like, what could they do?
1: I was not pleased, but I think that's pretty obvious about this movie. Yeah. Well, when you say you mentioned the chainsaw that says the saw is family. Well, I don't think that's the major takeaway from the family. The fan, the major takeaway is the barbecue. And what's great about the first movie is that the family didn't even really realize that what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. With Leatherface, they're like, yeah, we're evil. Yes. (laughs) So aside from that whole The Saw is family, there's also a noticeable difference with the franchise um, now that we've gone from... Uh, Canon Films that released number two to New Line Cinema, which is now in charge of the film. Bob Shea. Bob Shea. and so you have a lot of people from Nightmare working on this film. Did you know, Rob, that in the trailer, uh, Kane Hodder plays Leatherface?
0: Oh, really? I oh. thought he
1: looked different. Only, only in the trailer.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. But like everything about this movie looks like a New Line Cinema film. They have a way they make movies
1: yeah but i think this is around the time that new line cinema acquired friday the 13th and uh texas chainsaw massacre i think it was 1990 yeah because if you think about it i think jason takes manhattan which is number eight came out in 88 and the next one didn't come out until 93 yeah jason takes manhattan came out in 1989 so oh 89 okay gotcha yeah it was the last one uh, produced from Paramount Pictures. Yeah, so that would make sense totally. It's bad.
0: The story makes sense, like like the storyline we read at the beginning. Um, one other huge noticeable difference, Graham, is that the family is completely different.
1: Yes, uh, the it's actually the family's extended. Uh, lots of more characters. It seems like, including a mother, which we've never seen in a Texas Chainsaw film as of yet.
0: Yeah, but. I thought she was
1: dead. Yeah, I think they just, either they don't mention her or they, because there's a grandma and there's a, no, there's a grandpa. There's a grandpa. Who's the little girl too? Oh yeah, that was weird. Like who's having these kids? Yeah. And the little girl's got like a skeleton doll. Because if you
0: don't poke them, then they don't leak. And if they don't leave, we can't feed grandpa. Yeah, she was placed there just to be creepy. Yeah, Not to actually, and that, I think that's the big thing. They didn't think about, this had to, they, I've got it, Graham. This had to have been a different movie first.
1: Okay, I can see that. Yeah, it was repurposed for a, a Texas Chainsaw film. Yeah, when they acquired
0: Texas Chainsaw, the, whatever this was, was repurposed. Ooh, now what could that be? We'll have to think on that one. Yeah. Or listeners, please, let us know in the form of a Apple Podcasts review. I think Leatherface was the original Chronicles of
1: Narnia. <laughs> um, I could see it uh, easily being a, a repurposed nightmare film, or sure. or a uh, Friday the Thirteenth film. Where's that uh, that corkscrew, that fancy corkscrew for the wine bottle, Ted?
0: Well, Graham, should we just uh, should we move
1: on to? The original. Well, not without saying one more thing, Rob, and then we'll end it. Okay, um, please. From beginning, middle, and end, it is obviously apparent that Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, was not shot in Texas. This is a mortal sin of the film for me. Uh, You see the the rolling hills of California, but that is not the landscape of Central Texas. You don't say. Yeah. And, like, if you've never been to Central Texas and you watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, that is not the correct representation. And um, we're very offended by that. I I know I am. And you know who else has an
0: opinion about this, uh, who may be offended and may not, is a person named Andrew Gold. Now, Andrew has left a user review on IMDb, and it's rather long, Graham, so I don't think I'm going to give you their thoughts on the reboots or how the films have affected culture over the decades, but hear me out on this one, okay? Or hear Andrew out on this one. Okay. The main reason this is better than its predecessor is because it actually has suspense, Not a lot of it, but it's there. The creepy moments somewhat resemble the scenes from the original, but none of it feels rehashed. None of it feels rehashed. There are characters you can root for, and Leatherface is actually kind of scary again. There was always a satisfying climax, fit with heavy metal and cheesy lines that belong in a Marlon Wayans movie. It's just a fun popcorn horror movie with some gore, a couple thrills, and a decent amount of laughs. All in all, a movie is meant to entertain, and for the most part, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 did exactly that. Worth a watch for a hardcore slasher fan. What? Yeah. Politely disagree. That is probably the best thing you can say, uh, but good on Andrew for standing his ground. Yes. Graham, I'm going to take a quick break. And we're going to come back for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Real quick, it'd be really great if everyone visited our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Pumpkin Spice Podcast. I'm going to keep this under 20 seconds. You can donate and get bonus episodes, or you can just donate to help out the show. If you don't want to do that, tell a friend or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Graham, you think that's good? That's excellent. I mean, it's the only way. We're not here to make millions. We just want a little bit of help. Yeah. That's all. Okay. Back to the show. This movie came out in 1974 based on actual events, but we know how much that stands up. And I'm thinking maybe you can fill us in a little bit more on that if you know. But the user-generated storyline from Michael Brook says... En route to visit their grandfather's grave, which has apparently been ritualistically desecrated, five teenagers pass a slaughterhouse, pick up and quickly drop a sinister hitchhiker, eat some delicious home-cured meat at a roadside gas station, before ending up at the old family home, where they're plunged into a never-ending nightmare as they meet a family of cannibals who more than make up in power tools what they lack in social skills. I think that's a pretty good storyline right? up That's kind of clever. I like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I got some things I want to say about this, but I have a feeling you're probably going to hit them first. So, Graham,
1: come at me with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, 1974, Texas Chainsaw Massacre comes out. Uh, changes Austin, Texas cinema forever. Um, after that, we have filmmakers uh, like Terrence Malick, Eagle Pinnell, Robert Rodriguez, and Richard Linklater sort of making their claim to fame in Austin, Texas. Um, But yeah, Texas Chainsaw was sort of the start of all that.
0: Well, how how did it, if you don't mind me asking, like, how did it change it? Did it like just show
1: people that it is a thing, or were movies going in a different direction? I I think both are correct. As far as movies going in a different direction, uh, this film came out as sort of the height of the new American cinema, which uh, is my favorite period in the history of cinema. Americans were kind of perfecting uh, some of the ideas coming uh, from Western Europe and East Asia. The film brats, uh, filmmakers that had gone to college, watched these films and decided to apply those same kind of ideas to American films. And at the same time, in the industry— Take all the credit. (laughs) Well, yeah. we, uh, We had an industry that didn't know what people wanted. Uh, we, it was a great time where where studios yeah. were like, uh, I don't know it works. Here's a million dollars. Do do what you will. That's sort of how Texas Chainsaw uh, came about. Um, but also, Rob, it's kind of started now. Toby Hooper eventually left for Los Angeles, but he did stick around Austin. And then along with Eagle Pinnell, who released uh, the whole shooting match in 1978. If you have not seen it, it is a masterpiece
0: well that town this town didn't even have a mosquito fogger when we got them flying squirrels sure shit killed our squirrels
1: so these guys were hanging out in Austin and making it an actual option to stay in Austin and make movies and not have to go out to LA and not have to go out to New York and and decided to give back to their community That's why I decided to move to Austin, because I think the movies produced in Austin are really far out. And like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they couldn't have been made in New York or L.A. It had to be made in a crazy place like Austin, Texas. (laughs) The heat gets to you. It does. And you know that when the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre was made in um, 73, it was shot in the summer of 73, released in 74. 73 is like one of the hottest summers uh, in Texas history. Um, and so I think that adds uh, to the insanity of the film. Uh, God, it just feels like a hot movie.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know lighting and colors do that too, but it's just like you feel like you're warm <laughs> when watching it.
1: It It's a, um, I don't know. I've been gushing about this movie since I was about 10 years old when I first watched it. It is a, it's an amazing film and has um, never lost its intensity.
0: Now, Graham, I rem- you know in our first series when we did Nightmare on Elm Street, I told the story about how you suggested that I watch the Nightmare on Elm Street series because I was wanting to get into horror movies for the season. You know, I have a feeling that maybe Nightmare was your second choice because I know that you you had to have brought up Texas Chainsaw Massacre as well. Yeah, but maybe maybe you didn't suggest it because it wasn't as good all the way through.
1: That that's definitely it. I mean, I love the first two. Um, after that, it's kind of a mixed bag. There are parts of three that I like. Uh, again, I think it's 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 really well shot. Uh, but... Well, and before we get back into part one, let's probably we should probably say that like
0: the reason we stopped at three was like three started deviating so much from. The original like storyline that I don't even know what's canon in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre world is part three part of the actual story? Is that the same family? Did someone else put the mask on? Because you know they they each have their own unique intro. I'm rambling
1: now, but no no see, no, you're making like, some that good makes points. sense. Of why
0: we should stop at three? I would think.
1: Well, I I would call three a soft reboot, totally. Um, in the sense that it has. Characters from the first film, but then some new characters so the audience isn't confused. It's still Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but here's some new stuff. That's what we call a soft reboot in the industry. Okay, so I got a question for you.
0: In the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, what's going on in the background of the opening credits? Oh, I, I know exactly what's going on. Solar flares. Okay, so you probably see where I'm going with this. In what I read, okay, so there's solar flares in the opening credits. The character is reading all of the astrological signs for everyone in the bus on their road trip. Now, uh, it seems that Saturn was in retrograde, which is bad. She says that right before they pick up the hitchhiker, I believe. And then the hitchhiker leaves some sort of marking in blood on the van. Oh, he's weird looking. No. And maybe there's a, a predestined astrological uh, fate scenario happening, and that the solar flares have set off something in in the cannibal family. I don't know, but like essentially, there is no choice. This is determined to happen.
1: Well, I, I definitely think you're on the right track as far as Toby's original intentions. Um, for those who don't know, Toby was uh, a bit of a free-thinking Texas hippie. And the heat get to him? I, I, yeah, I think the heat got to him. Uh, but yeah, sunspots, solar flares, astrology. Um are are definitely, I think, Toby reinforcing those ideas. Uh, it's through, also
0: 1974. That's true, yeah. This is like right as uh, the Heaven's Gate cult was gearing up. There's a lot of that Jesus was an alien, actually heaven is a different galaxy sort of thoughts going on at this time. It was like seemed to be a feasible thing, like, oh, wouldn't it make sense we worship this god that came from the sky? That could be an alien. Yeah. And so astrology, all of that sort of stuff was really, really important to some people.
1: Now my I have some my personal thoughts on what the film means, Rob. I, I don't know if I if you want me to bore you with oh. those. No, please. Um, but I have always thought that Texas Chainsaw was about the industrialization of the South. Oh. In the sense that basically you have the, this family that was working in a slaughterhouse, killing like 80 cows a day, and uh, back then you just beat the uh, the cows over the head with a mallet. Which and we s- learn in the first 10 minutes of the film. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, they go over this. I mean, it, it's all right in front of you. Um, and so... Um, once the South became industrialized and they had machines that would kill the cattle or whatever, um, this family lost their jobs and they were so used to killing every day to Uh, make a living. Yeah. And that Texas sun warps your head. And so what's a cow and a human being, both animals, let's kill it. Both got meat. Yeah, and like like I said earlier in the episode, one of the creepiest things about Texas Chainsaw is that the family thinks that they're doing nothing wrong, that this is normal.
0: Yeah, you. I mean, you see it in the, the, the of course, the dinner scene. Then you just see them how their family dynamic reacts to just another workplace
1: problem. That dinner scene is perfection. It is one of the most nauseating, uncomfortable things you'll ever watch. And... Perfectly executes that sort of "I got to get out of here now" sort of uh, mentality of the of the character played by Marilyn Burns, who I think should have been nominated for an Academy Award for her performance. Uh, a lot of people talk about uh, Leatherface as sort of being the star, but the film would not have worked if Marilyn Burns uh, wasn't the lead uh, in the lead.
0: shut up remember you're just a cook and me and him handle this. get on with it I won't have this yeah um I've never seen or experienced
1: like screaming in a horror movie works so well that's frightening Rob I personally will not stop until Marilyn Burns is inducted into the Texas Hall of Fame um I, I just it drives me cause Toby is inducted obviously um but Marilyn Burns has not been inducted as of yet, so oh, she uh, better be. I am. I am hard at work on that.
0: I will fly down there, and we will do a lot. Li- I mean, again, because I'm already there, but I will fly down there, and we will do a live in studio taping.
1: It's funny. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show before, Rob, but um, there is a restaurant in Bastrop. Texas, where they filmed the gas station scene. And so they've turned that gas station into a restaurant. Uh, the family that actually owns it's really nice. So, Oh, cool. Well, uh,
0: let's go hit up there after we record this episode.
1: Yes, absolutely. And we can take a two-hour detour north of Austin in Kingsland, Texas, where uh, the house of Texas Chains- Chainsaw Massacre was moved to uh, from Red Rock. Which is oh, I saw that in a uh, Joe Bob Briggs yes video. He was out there, and uh, Joe Bob. Next time you're in town, definitely hit me up. <laughs> uh, Another one of
0: our famous listeners.
1: Yeah, exactly. But yeah, this film has been analyzed and looked after, and there's so many theories about it. Um, but th- the fact that it it's still um, is on everyone's list for as far as like the greatest horror films ever made. It still retains that intensity. And if you've never seen it before, um, give it a watch. Uh, You will be surprised at how well it holds up. Yeah, it's frightening and amazing. I'm
0: not even going to read the IMDb user review because it's just going to be a very long paragraph of a lot of what we have said. This person is a big fan and cites a lot of other episodes or a lot of other movies in it too. All right, Graham, we've got a little more to talk about between this movie and the second Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but let's go to that next week. Gotcha.
1: So next week, we'll discuss uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, the Canon Films classic. All
0: right, let's go get some uh, barbecue.
1: Yeah.